This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for September 22nd, and I had a great question today on one of my videos, and so I wanted to address it, and that is uh, the question that came in was, or the statement, I guess, was, um, wow, I've never heard the word stupid used so much in scripture. What translation are you using? And my response was, I know it. I hate that word. Um, so, but the answer to the translation question is that I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it's the 1996 edition. Um, and my husband helpfully just bought a book called How to Choose a Translation for All It's Worth. And so over the weekend, I was actually looking up the New Living Translation, since I am reading from it and wanted to know the background of it and its accuracy. And um, so the New Living Translation, the first edition came out in 1996, which is what I'm reading, and then it was revised in 2004. And it was a committee work involving 87 evangelical scholars from various denominations. And it is considered what's called a functional equivalent translation that seeks the closest natural equivalent in the receptor language. The goal is to have, quote, the same impact on the modern readers as the original had on its own audience. Um, so this may be a very different translation than what you're used to hearing. Um, I like it for the most part, but I'm going to agree with that listener that I don't like their use of the word stupid. And maybe they, they actually revised that out of the more recent version. So thanks for being with me and listening. We are going to start today in Isaiah chapter 39. And if you remember, Hezekiah was very ill and the Lord said that he would heal him. And um, I, his servants made an ointment from from figs, spread it over the boil, and uh, at Isaiah's instructions. And Hezekiah has just asked, what sign will prove that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. He had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick and that he had recovered. Hezekiah welcomed the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them all his other treasures, everything. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Not very smart, was it? Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did those men want? Where did they come from? Hezekiah replied, they came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? asked Isaiah. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my treasures. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord Almighty. The time is coming when everything you have, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your own descendants will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message that you have given from the Lord is good. But the king was thinking, At least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. 
Tell her that her sad days are gone and that her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her in full for all her sins. Listen, I hear the voice of someone shouting, make a way for the Lord through the wilderness, make a straight smooth road through the desert for our God. Fill the valleys and level the hills. Straighten out the curves and smooth off the rough spots. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what, sh what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass that dies away. Their beauty fades as quickly as the beauty of flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Messenger of good news, shout to Zion from the mountaintops. Shout louder to Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in all his glorious power. He will rule with awesome strength. He will rule, oh see, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. I love that verse. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else weighed out the mountains and the hills? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to be his teacher or counselor? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good or what is best? No, for all the nations of the world are nothing in comparison to him. They are but a drop in the bucket, dust on the scales. He picks up the islands as though they had no weight at all. All Lebanon's forests do not contain sufficient fuel to consume a sacrifice large enough to honor him. All Lebanon's sacrificial animals would not make an offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are as nothing to him. In his eyes, they are less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom then can we compare God? What image might we find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold or decorated with silver chains? Or is a poor person's wooden idol better? Can God be compared to an idol that must be placed on a stand so it won't fall down? Have you never heard or understood? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth. The people below must seem to him like grasshoppers. He is the one who spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and their work withers. The wind carries them off like straw. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out one after another, calling each by its name, and he counts them to see that none are lost or have strayed away. O Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood? 
Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea. Bring your strongest arguments. Come now and speak. The court is ready for your case. Who has stirred up this king from the east who meets victory at every step? Who indeed but the Lord? He gives him victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot. He puts entire armies to the sword. He scatters them in the wind with his bow. He chases them away and goes on safely, though he is walking over unfamiliar ground. Who has done such mighty deeds directing the affairs of the human race as each new generation marches by? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am he. The lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. They encourage one another with the words, be strong. The craftsmen rush to make new idols. The carver hurries the goldsmith and the molder helps at the anvil. Good, they say, it's coming along fine. Carefully, they join the parts together, then fasten the thing in place so it won't fall over. But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from my friend Abraham, I have called you back from the ends of the earth so that you can serve me. For I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. See, all your enemies lie there confused and ashamed. Anyone who opposes you will die. You will look for them in vain. They will all be gone. I am holding you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God. And I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Despised though you are, O Israel, don't be afraid, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. You will be a new threshing instrument with many sharp teeth. You will tear all your enemies apart, making chaff of mountains. You will toss them in the air, and the wind will blow them all away. A whirlwind will scatter them, and the joy of the Lord will fill you to overflowing. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I was unprepared today to give you the background of the book of Ephesians. I was thinking about translation, so we'll talk about that tomorrow. But this is a letter from Paul, and he says it right in the first verse. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. It is written to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May grace and peace be yours, sent to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness he has poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. He has showered his kindness on us with, along with all wisdom and understanding. God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ, designed long ago according to his good pleasure. And this is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us from the beginning, and all things happen just as he decided long ago. God's purpose was that we, who were the first to trust in Christ, should praise our glorious God. And now you also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he has called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This same mighty power, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. Psalm 66. This is, it just says, for the choir director, a psalm. Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he does for his people. He made a dry path through the Red Sea for his, and his people went across on foot. Come. Let us rejoice in who he is. For by his great power, he rules forever. He watches every movement of the nations. Let no rebel rise in defiance. Let the whole world bless our God and sing aloud his praises. Our lives are in his hands and he keeps our feet from stumbling. You have tested us, O God. 
You have purified us like silver melted in a crucible. You captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs. You sent troops to ride across our broken bodies. We went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Now I come to your temple with burnt offerings to fulfill the vows I made to you. Yes, the sacred vows you heard me make when I was in deep trouble. That is why I am sacrificing burnt offerings to you, the best of my rams as a pleasing aroma. And I will sacrifice bulls and goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer and did not withdraw his unfailing love for me, from me. And I love that 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 sort of is a parallel to what we just read in Ephesians, that his plan, his purpose for us was that we who were the first to trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. And that is such a great psalm of praise. Proverbs 23, 25 through 28. So give your parents joy. May she who gave you birth be happy. Oh, my son, give me your heart. May your eyes delight in my ways of wisdom. A prostitute is a deep pit. An adulterous woman is treacherous. She hides and waits like a robber looking for another victim who will be unfaithful to his wife. And to end today, I have a um, devotional from Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and it is called Higher Than I. And it comes from Psalm 61-2, which we just read the other day, which says, When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Spurgeon writes, Most of us know that what it is to be overwhelmed in heart, emptied like a, when a man wipes a dish and turns it upside down, submerged and thrown on our beam ends like a boat mastered by the storm. Discoveries of inward corruption will do this if the Lord permits the depth of our depravity to become troubled and cast up mire and dirt. Disappointments and heartbreaks will do this when billow after billow rolls over us and we are like a broken shell thrown to and fro by the surf. Blessed be God at such seasons. We are not left without a sufficient solace. Our God is the harbor of weather-beaten sails, the hostel for forlorn pilgrims. He is higher than we are, his mercy higher than our sins, his love higher than our thoughts. It is pitiful to see men putting their trust in something lower than themselves. But our confidence is fixed on an exceedingly high and glorious Lord. He is a rock since he doesn't change. And a high rock because the tempests that overwhelm us roll far beneath his feet. He is not disturbed by them, but rules them at his will. If we get under the shelter of this lofty rock, may, we may defy the hurricane. All is calm under the lee of that towering cliff. Sadly, the confusion in which the troubled mind is often cast is such that we need piloting to this divine shelter. Hence the prayer of the text. O oh Lord, our God, by your Holy Spirit, teach us the way of faith. Lead us into your rest. The wind blows us out to sea. The helm does not answer to our puny hand. You alone can steer us over the bar between the sunken rocks 
and safe into the fair haven. We are totally dependent upon you. We need you to bring us to you, to be wisely directed and steered into safety and peace is your gift and yours alone. I take comfort in that because sometimes I think it's my job to steer myself or to figure out the right answer, but that is the Lord's gift so we can look to him. Have a beautiful day. Love you all.